it really comes down to the food and the body weight and the movement. All of these things are, are super important. Um, and so the same things that work for primary prevention, preventing the first diagnosis of breast cancer work for what we call tertiary prevention or preventing recurrence. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like we have, you know, a different approach for each of these. And I think it really speaks to, you know, the, the uh, foundational principle of inflammation and inflammation being a driver of all chronic disease. And so this is why when we take people through this program that is, you know, geared towards breast cancer, we're seeing reversal of other chronic diseases as well, because we are strengthening the immune system, strengthening the gut microbiome and lowering inflammation in your body. Do you believe that God wants you healthy? Then join me, Cersei Blue and Gigi Carter on the Healthy For My Purpose podcast where we help you realize the relationship between your health and your purpose. We share how eating like Daniel can revolutionize your life. Through discussions and interviews, we challenge you to discover the powerful connection between plant-based nutrition, your body, and your faith. It's time. Welcome back to another episode of Healthy For My Purpose. We are so excited about this episode, guys. We sat down with Dr. Amber Orman, um, and she was so phenomenal and gave us so, many inf so much information um, around lifestyle medicine and the treatment and prevention of breast cancer. You are really going to... Um, love this episode because of all the knowledge that you're going to receive. Um, so Dr. Orman, she's a double board certified radiation oncologist and lifestyle medicine specialist focusing on breast cancer treatment and prevention. She is the chief wellness officer of Advent Health Medical Group. She is also the co-founder of The Heal, which is healthy eating and active lifestyle program at Advent Health in Orlando, Florida. She is a mother to three teenagers. She is a wife and um, she is the embodiment of lifestyle medicine in her own personal life. She exudes such balance. She um, works so hard to improve the life of her patients. And at the same time, when you look into her own personal life, she is committed to nutritional excellence for herself and her family. And she is fierce, guys. And you'll hear this in the episode when it comes to her exercise routine um, and how she just makes space to really live a life balanced and then reflect that and give that back to her clients. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the extraordinary Dr. Amber Orman. Dr. Orman, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> so um, can you tell us about your story and how and why you decided to enter the field of lifestyle medicine? Yes, yes. So um, I would say that that goes back quite a ways. I, um, I got into medicine in general because my mother is a nurse. She's retired now. Uh, but I noticed that she seemed to 
be almost a different person at work. And I found this out because I would go and volunteer with her. And this was, you know, when they would let children go and, and do things and help. And so I would be changing beds and getting water for people and doing simple things. And I saw this side of my mother that was completely different <laughs> than what I was seeing at home. And I was like, oh, this seems like nice work. She enjoys it. And so I, uh, I knew that I would go into medicine in some way, shape or form. Um, and so I went to college, actually went to an undergraduate um, engineering, uh, private engineering school. And I did that because I got a, a scholarship to stay in the state of Indiana where I grew up. And we grew up on a farm of sorts. We didn't have our own uh, farm animals, but we had land and we would rent this land out. And as part of payment for that land, we would have a cow butchered every year. And so I was used to eating what would have been grass fed, hormone free, you know, free range, all the buzzwords, uh, this type of, uh, of meat. And I went away to college and the meat in the dorm room didn't taste like the meat at home. And I did not understand how this could possibly be. And so I started to study nutrition and I've been down the rabbit hole ever since. And so I started to, you know, learn, Hey, if I want to do well and really perform optimally in terms of you know, my studying and my workouts and, you know, my complete mind body. Uh, I, I needed to feed myself optimally. And so I started on my kind of personal journey while I was studying. And I was fascinated that nobody really mentioned any of this in my undergraduate coursework, but that was typical. I wasn't studying nutrition. Um, and then when I went to medical school, uh, there was no nutrition training. I had zero hours, uh, zero mention. Uh, and so I just continued to study independently uh, what is the field of lifestyle medicine, even though um, I didn't know that it was called that and it, and it didn't exist at that time. And so I, um, I continued that into my residency and I met up with a group of people at the University of Miami and they were studying uh, functional medicine, functional nutrition. And we would meet on the weekends and uh, it was through a program affiliated with the University of Miami and we would attend conferences and there were lectures given by people in the group and we would have case studies. And so I was kind of involved in it in this way. And that was the knowledge that I took to Moffitt Cancer Center um, where I focused on breast cancer as I still do. And so that was kind of how I started to build um, really my breast cancer care model was using more of a functional medicine, functional nutrition approach. And I ended up getting married uh, to a physician who lives in Orlando, which necessitated a move to Orlando. Um, and Advent Health uh, has a whole person care model. And I thought, well, this is perfect for me. And so I'm sitting in uh, orientation and, uh, George Guthrie is sitting next to me and he is one of the past presidents of American college of lifestyle medicine. He's very active in the field. And he of course practices, he has a beautiful practice and, um, I'm kind of, you know, preaching plant-based nutrition to this table of people 
as I often find myself doing. And he says, have you heard of ACLM? And I said, no, what's this? And he said, you really need to check it out. And so I immediately joined and got my board certification. Um, then at my first opportunity, which I think was 18 or 19. Um, and so really rounded out kind of this way of practicing medicine in conjunction with radiation oncology, which is my, my primary specialty um, with the board certification in lifestyle medicine. And it really, um, it really rang home. I feel like that was when it all came together because, you know, when you compare the two fields, lifestyle medicine is so foundational. It's not heavy into supplements or expensive tests or anything like this. It's just truly about your food and your movement, your sleep and your stress and your relationships. It's this beautiful, simple way of healing people. And I just naturally gravitated more towards that. And it was really um, how I was, was practicing but didn't quite realize that's what it was. And I know a lot of lifestyle medicine physicians kind of have a similar, similar story. Uh, so it's, a, it's an interesting thing, but certainly has enriched my life uh, immeasurably. Yeah, I want to I want to go back a little bit to what you said earlier um, in terms of how you grew up eating like the grass fed beef on the farm and then going to school and noticing a difference. I, I'm curious, like, like, how did you dial into this connection between your food and your health, like your physical health, your mental clarity, all of that? Like, how did you I'm, I'm curious, were you playing sports? Were you are you just an intuitive like? in touch kind of person, like what, how did that come to be? So I was feeling differently when I was eating basically the same things on the college campus versus at home. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, this isn't right because there's not a whole lot that has changed, mm -hmm. but maybe the way that I eat needs to change given my current situation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cause you go from high school, which you know, can certainly be very difficult into engineering school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm a type A person, definitely a perfectionist, and I needed to make all A's. Mm. And I thought, well, I really have to step up my game because I want to get into medical school after this. And who knows what specialty, you know, how competitive. And so I wanted to, you know, be as competitive and prepared as possible for whatever might be ahead of me. And I was just very aware that for me to accomplish that, uh, I had to be, you know, functioning, uh, with all cylinders firing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the food, if I ate something and didn't feel good, I knew, well, I need to stay away from that, uh, because my sleep needs to be on point. I've always been big into working out, never, never any organized sports, mm -hmm. but just very aware that I need cardiovascular and strength mm -hmm. and flexibility. And, and that's always been really my mindfulness practice. And that's mm -hmm. changed over time from what it was then. But I just knew that if I was going to perform the way that I wanted to, all of these areas had to be in check. And so when I started studying nutrition and learning about the food system and where things come from and, um, you know, what we really need to be basing 
our nutrition off of versus what we're told, you know, with the commercials and the magazines and the blogs, those were two different things. Mm. And so I just did a lot of self-experimentation and they actually used to call me uh, the salad girl <laughs> in college <laughs> because they had this huge, beautiful salad bar and I would build these ginormous salads <laughs> and that's what I would eat twice a day. I would have my huge salads with my bean burger. And I think I was still eating some tuna. So I was having my tuna and my bean burger with my salads. And, and so over time, I just kept refining. Um, and I'm, I'm always refining, you know, I eventually became uh, gluten free, maybe that was seven years ago, you know, so now at this point, I'm like, whole food plant based gluten free. Um, I've been raw vegan at certain periods of my life um, when I had the time, <laughs> you know, so it's, I think it's, we're never, we've never arrived no matter what, yeah. uh, what we're working towards. And that's the beauty of it. It's the journey, not the destination as they like to say. And so that's definitely how I approach my personal nutrition because our bodies are changing all the time as well. Yeah. And so we yeah. can't expect to fuel them identically to what we did when we were 20 or 30. <laughs> right, right. I love that because what I what I'm hearing from you is that you were already dialed into your purpose, like your why. And then you started looking around, like, how can I be the best version of myself, knowing that this is what, you know, I'm destined to become. And how do I get there in a way that um, allows me to operate at a higher frequency. And you looked at all those areas of your life. You looked at your food, you looked at your exercise, you looked at your sleep and all those things to help position you to get to where you are and, and where you're probably gonna go you know, next and, and so forth. So I think that's, that's really awesome. I think a lot of times, um, you know, people don't quite have that solid foundation in their why and their purpose. Um, I know I didn't have that, but what was interesting was I didn't really get my why until after I got healthy, you know, it was like, then I, I all of a sudden I had this spirit, this mental and spiritual clarity. And then my why became more evident, but with you, and I think that's awesome. You knew, and you were like, okay, I'm going to get to there. I'm going to get to my goal. And in order to do that, I, I need to look at all areas that influence my ability to get there. So um, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, so I think it's like generally um, that's such a there's so many iterations of that that happen throughout your life, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm always talking to my patients about this when we are you're faced with a breast cancer diagnosis. OK, we have your attention mm -hmm. and your foundation is shaken and you're going to feel completely discombobulated in your life. And you might have lost that sense of purpose and you might not know where your passion is anymore. And if we can, you know, either get to that first or elevate your behaviors so that the fog clears and you can see that clearly, then I think that's the best thing that we can do when we are caring for another person is, you know, to either help them get out of their own way or, you know, to provide them the tools and the resources so that they can, you know, figure out where it is that they, they want to go next. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah that's awesome, Dr. Orman. And just to get a little deeper into what you just mentioned, what impact 
have you seen with your clients since you've been into using that integrative model of lifestyle medicine um, in your um, plan for them? What impact have you seen? Uh, we'd love to hear some stories. Yeah, I mean, it's been absolutely amazing. I, if I didn't practice medicine in this way, I know, I know, I know in my heart that I would be burned out in a completely different human on this earth. Um, and so it's been so fulfilling on both sides of the equation. And so we have multiple patients. I used to do this on an individual basis. So when I was um, working at Moffitt Cancer Center, that was before I had kind of formalized what I do into an eight week group uh, oriented program. And I was just working with each patient individually. And so, you know, it's, that's wonderful if you have the time to do it. And, you know, we would see people losing weight, of course, and reversing diabetes and their cholesterol normalizing and, you know, uh, their blood pressure normalizing and literally just getting off of most, if not all of their medications. It's like not an uncommon thing, um, but it's such an amazing thing given our current status of health in this country and our healthcare system and the way that we're certainly more reactionary than proactive in our approach. Um, but to, to take a person from a certain point and really propel them uh, into health on the heels of a devastating diagnosis is, is an amazing thing. And so, um, yeah, we have many stories of this. I have a one patient who she's very young. Um, she went through my, my program here at Advent Health. Um, and she was so inspired that she's now a health and wellness coach herself, you know? And so she's a career change as a result of this. Um, but the, I think the real beauty in this approach is that when you change, well, we don't change. When a person changes with your help, um, if you help guide them into that change, it trickles down to everybody in their life. Because if you think about the healthiest, happiest people you know, you want to be around them and you want to ask them, what are you doing? And why, you know, why do you have this different energy and what can I learn from you? I need a little bit of that. And so it's like, you're creating this little army of health warriors and they go out and they enact change in their families with their immediate, you know, household, but also with their friend circle and the people that they work with and their distant relatives, and maybe they even become a health and wellness coach. And so we have a lot of, of really amazing stories and what's come out of this program. We are, um, we're coming up on our two year anniversary. We started uh, in July of 2020. And so we have an alumni group. So people go through these, the eight week program and then they graduate into the alumni group. And so we have this growing group of people who support each other. Uh, we have a, you know, like a social media platform they interact on, but we get together once a month and we talk about a new topic. Everybody shares their progress, their story, their new favorite recipe, uh, how they've touched somebody else's life maybe they're struggling and they need some support. 
Um, and so it is um, like countless amazing stories, uh, which is so wonderful. Yeah, that's wonderful. You're, you're definitely changing lives with that. And I love how, I love your point, the point you made about the ripple effect it has around the people that are around them, their family, their coworkers, their loved ones, the people in their community. Um, it's so true. It is so true. I, um, I think Cersei and I are probably, you know, kind of in that camp as well. Um, yeah. With our stories, you know, reversing our chronic diseases and then moving into this space. Um, mm -hmm. So we could totally relate to that. Let's switch gears and talk about prevention. So, um, you know, prevention of breast cancer in particular, what would you say are some of the risk factors and then what could people do to reduce their risk of getting breast cancer? Um, well, there are quite a few things that you can do. Um, we have various amounts of data in different areas. Uh, one where we are very clear is body weight. And so when you are not at a healthy weight, when you're overweight or uh, suffer from obesity, then this raises your risk of breast cancer, uh, especially in postmenopausal women. And as we know, excess body weight raises your risk of a lot of other things. We have to remember that heart disease kills most breast cancer survivors. That's our number one cause of death. Um, and so most of my breast cancer patients actually die from heart disease. And so it's a two for one there. If you maintain a healthy body weight, then you have lower risk of both of those. Um, but exercise is also very important. And when we say exercise, we're not talking about, you know, just the elliptical. We want strength training and cardiovascular and flexibility. And so um, what I've been doing in my personal life at the moment, at least, is six to seven days a week of yoga. And I'll, I'd love to talk a little more about yoga and how that's changed my life um, in conjunction with cardiovascular. And I love the yoga because it's your mindfulness practice, it's your strength, and it's your flexibility. And so I'm all about efficiency. Like, how can I do more with the same amount of time and either help myself or help more people? And in turn, if I'm helping myself, I can help more people. And so yoga has become a huge piece of my life recently, more so than, than I realized. Um, the other things that are very important, um, you know, some of them have to do with hormonal exposure that are kind of out of your control. And so you know, if you have early periods or late menopause, then you have more time of hormone exposure and you can't really control that. Um, if you've never had a baby via your own body, then you have a higher risk of breast cancer. Well, that's not always in your control either, but the controllable things are all lifestyle related. Um, Plant-based nutrition is important and we're seeing more and more data mount in terms of the role of plant-based nutrition in preventing uh, quite a few cancers. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other aspects of lifestyle medicine, you know, the mindfulness practice, the social connection, the data that's specific to cancers, are, it's not as strong, but there are associations. We do know that social connection is very important and they're equating you know, loneliness to uh, you know, a major risk factor for heart disease. Mm -hmm. I think one study said that loneliness is like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Um, and so all of the principles of lifestyle medicine and you know, including, we should mention too, I don't think it gets enough press, alcohol. 
<laughs> alcohol, any amount raises your risk of breast cancer. Even if it's the nicest of the nice red wine, the most organic, biodynamically grown, no sulfite, it is still raising your risk of breast cancer. Um, and so it's really, it really comes down to the food and the body weight and the movement. All of these things are, are super important. Um, and so the same things that work for primary prevention, preventing the first diagnosis of breast cancer work for what we call tertiary prevention or preventing recurrence. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like we have, you know, a different approach for each of these. And I think it really speaks to, you know, the the uh, foundational principle of inflammation and inflammation being a driver of all chronic disease. Mm -hmm. And so this is why when we take people through this program that is you know, geared towards breast cancer, we're seeing reversal of other chronic diseases as well because we are strengthening the immune system, strengthening the gut microbiome and lowering inflammation in your body. And we're seeing, you know, decreased risk of recurrence and disease reversal in the process, not just breast cancer. Yeah. So you talked about cardiovascular. I'm just curious what cardiovascular activities do you participate in? <laughs> so um, this has changed a lot over time. Um, I used to, so back in college, when I was really studying the nutrition and refining my eating patterns, uh, kind of to begin, I was always on the elliptical, always mm -hmm. on the elliptical. But over time, I've had a period in my life when I was cycling 300 mm -hmm. plus miles a week when I was living in Miami, that was my thing. I was cycling, cycling, cycling. Um, then I got into running and road races um, currently I do ultra marathons, but only trail. And so I only run in the woods, never on the pavement. Um, thanks to plantar fasciitis, which I have control over now. <laughs> after <two> years. <laughs> um, but it, so it varies. So I will run, um, usually three to four days a week. Mm -hmm. And I have an indoor bike once in a while, my road bike and mm -hmm. rowing um okay. and then sometimes the stair mill and so i try to mix it up um yeah. i think that you know my i've always had a very um well I'll just call it an addiction to to exercise but it's my healthy addiction um mm -hmm. and it requires cardiovascular mm -hmm. at least five days a week and mm -hmm. so i but i try to introduce variety um, but usually training for some sort of event. So right now I'm kind of in the 50 K 50 mile range wow. and contemplating a hundred mile. Ooh, wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Are you thinking about doing like, you know, like one of those, uh, Western States kind of races or, or anything like that? Yeah I'm, those sure are the... familiar, yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with, um, like Scott Jarek and some of those ultra guys. Yes. I love reading those books. Those are some of my too. favorite books. Like I the know. <laughs> Ritual, Finding Ultra, that's uh -huh. such a great one. Um, yeah, I love books like that. But yeah, I mean, that would be uh, amazing to do something like, I kind of have my eyes on the Leadville 100 just because yeah. I love Colorado. Uh -huh. But I live in Florida. And so the Leadville 100, um, would be quite an accomplishment. Uh, yeah, with the elevation change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. Yeah. We'll yeah. see if it ever happens. I don't know. I'm not I'm not gonna commit myself to it so that I can avoid the disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how often are you doing the yoga? You said that's your new love right now. Yeah. So I am six to seven days a week yoga now and how many 20 minutes? minutes to an okay. hour. Yeah. Um oh. but I'll tell you, so I was on vacation last week. And we went to the beach, which should be a very relaxing place to be, right? But we have uh, three teenagers and two poodles. Um, and so here's five humans and two fur babies in a condo on the beach, which is not the best setup um, for success. But I, I was not doing my yoga. I was sleeping in more. Typically, I get up at 4 a.m. during the week. And so we were sleeping in until about 6.30, sleeping in. <laughs> and I was not doing yoga because I wanted to get out on the beach and run before it got insanely hot. And so I was having these miserable runs on the beach because it was still very, very hot. Mm -hmm. um, and the sun's up earlier right now, it's June. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. not optimal conditions, but they were not doing what they usually do for me. My runs were not as mentally and physically rewarding as I'm used to. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of caught off guard by this and didn't understand, you know, I was irritable and I thought, well, it's just because we're all in a condo and I have three teenagers that constantly need to be eating food and, you know, <laughs> they're watching these annoying things on the TV and, you know, it's so loud and I just didn't have quiet and I thought, well, that's why I'm irritable. And so we get home and um, three days of yoga in and I'm like, Oh, oh dear. Yoga has become obligatory for me now. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so I didn't realize the difference that the yoga is making for me. And I'm about, I think this is my ninth month of really consecutive uh, yoga nearly on a daily basis. And so removing that really had an effect on me. Um, mm. And I wasn't able to kind of quiet my mind and be in the mental space that I needed to be with just the running alone. And so it was really eye opening to realize that. And so I'm just going to stick with it. And I'll tell you, I've always been a big weightlifter. And sometimes I'll do, you know, like Olympic lifting programs and never thought there'd be a time when I wasn't lifting weights or, you know, using resistance bands or mm -hmm. something of the sort. Um, but this yoga has just changed, not just my mind, but my body, my strength is incredibly different now. My body's mm -hmm. different. And I don't know that I'll ever go back to lifting formal weights again, because I just mm -hmm. keep getting more and more out mm -hmm. of the yoga. Mm -hmm. um, so now I'm recommending yoga to to most of my patients and I have some converted patients which is exciting to watch well, well you're inspiring me I, I yeah, I've me heard, too I'm like I'm gonna get into back I, into the yoga myself yeah I I was really into it back when I lived in Southern California a friend of mine we would go to a Bikram yoga like a hot yoga class which I know is a little more controversial now given kind of what's been um talked about with the person that started it but it was like, it was so just mentally a great way to just kind of decompress. And because it was in such a hot room, 
you get out, you walk out of there, you're just dripping in sweat. You know, you go back home, you take a shower. I mean, you literally feel like a newborn baby. Like you're yeah. just like so refreshed. Yeah. You know, you get yourself like a coconut water with or a smoothie with coconut water. And you're just like, I feel like I can take yeah. on the world, you know? Um, yeah. and, and since I left there, I haven't, I just haven't kept up yeah. with it, you know? And so I need yeah. to, well, you're inspiring you know, me. <laughs> I kind of did the same thing because when I was living in Miami, I was going to this kind of grungy beach studio where they pack way too many people in and everybody was just kind of sweating and touching everybody. It was just, <laughs> you know, it was like the typical, like Miami beach experience, you know? And so, um, but I love, yeah, <laughs> I had such a connection to that class yeah. and that teacher. And so when I left Miami, I stopped practicing yoga because I thought, well, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm out of my element. I don't yeah. have my teacher. I don't have, you know, the studio. So I'm just going to stop. And I stopped yoga for years. And it was not until the, the latter part of last year when I was training for a different 50 K and I thought, let me just try something because I know I want to increase my ankle strength and my foot strength. And I don't want to bulk up. I want to improve my balance so that I'm less likely to fall and improve my posture and my core strength. Mm -hmm. And so let me just use yoga and running to train for this. And that's kind of how it started. And I just use an app. That's the thing. I'm not even going to a studio with that collective energy. Mm -hmm. It's usually my husband in the background on a rower. So that noise is going on but it's still, I'm still able to focus and get so much more even out of doing a class that I did, you know, back in October of last year. Mm. And so I think it's, it's such a beautiful thing because you can always go deeper, you know, synchronize the breath in a better way, hold it longer. And so like this morning I did a video that was one of the original five. That's how I started. I picked five videos and I just kept repeating them. Mm -hmm. And I did one of those original videos this morning and I got so much more out of it today than I did on day one. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's, um, it's really cool. So I'm considering yoga teacher training and maybe oh. if I like that yoga therapy training, <laughs> Oh, oh nice. nice nice i love it, nice. we'll, see. I love it. We'll, see. we'll have to pick your brain a little bit more on that one but yeah. um, or if you or if you create an app i'll have to get it so i can do yoga yeah with you. Yes. <laughs> my side jobs my side yeah. jobs. yes but i wanted to ask you as well you know um what impact has it had on your family what does your family look like i know you said you have three teenagers your husband the two poodles what does lifestyle medicine as a doctor look like in terms of your family? No, that's a great question. So quick backstory on my family. I inherited these three children. Um, my husband was married before and they were much younger. Um, uh, they were not teenagers at the time. And I I was in the process, actually, no, I wasn't. I did not know about lifestyle medicine when I met them. Um, yeah, because that was years earlier, but I was already plant-based, right? Personally. So I was personally plant-based and um, they were very interested in it. And, you know, the kids were young and eager to learn. And so I was 
kind of making two meals. And so we, I'd make them their fish and whatever. And then I'd make something plant-based for me. And everybody just kind of wanted to try what I was eating. And so that's kind of how it started. And the family started to convert um, just kind of organically, um, not by force, uh, but more by liking the food and by learning about food. And so we would talk to the kids about, you know, where did your chicken come from? And like, do you know how it was raised? And do you know what happens in your body when you eat chicken versus when you eat broccoli? And, you know, and so we really started to teach them about, you know, plant versus animal protein and about the gut microbiome and about uh, environmental concerns and about how the animals are raised, all of it, all of the aspects of plant-based eating that we all, you know, talk about and how eating plant-based checks off all of those boxes. Mm-hmm. And so they, um, they were getting into it and they were excited about it. And I think that they were more into the, um, you know, the animal cruelty aspect of it is, mm-hmm. which is, you know, common for young kids. But then they started to notice that they were swimming better in the pool. Mm-hmm. So they're all swimmers. And they started to see, hey, my athletic performance is improved when I'm eating cleanly versus eating, you know, the steak and, and whatever. And so they kind of transitioned themselves, mm-hmm. um, which was very interesting. And so now, I mean, we're completely plant-based. Our youngest child, who's 12, sometimes he'll venture into the world of cheese or ice cream once in a while, um, but he doesn't feel very good when he does it. And so I'm sure he'll cut that out at some point. But the older two, if there's even an ingredient on, you know, a label um, that's pretty far down in the list and pretty minuscule, they won't, they won't eat it. I know when we were on vacation (laughs) last week, yeah, they're, they're like hardcore. I accidentally bought something that had milk, you know, down in the list and it was a bread that I thought I'd bought before and just didn't check the label. This still happens to me after, you know, 15 years of being plant-based. And so the kids noticed and then they wouldn't eat the bread. (laughs) So I'm like, just eat it. It's okay. You know, they're like, no. So, um, but it's been, you know, I think that it, it shows them that what you eat matters, that you can help the environment with what you eat, Mm -hmm. that you can do your piece Mm -hmm. um, and that you can perform optimally in school and in the pool or whatever athletics you're involved in um, if you're fueling your body well. And none of them have any health issues at all, um, which should be normal for kids that age, but unfortunately it's not. Um, and so they're just like healthy, happy, you know, teenagers. Now they still do what teenagers do. It hasn't cured them of their attitudes, (laughs) but, (laughs) but they're good kids, you know, and, and they, it's important to them. And it was completely without force Mm -hmm. and just via, you know, some kind of simple discussions and showing them that the food really tastes good. Yeah, you, your point about the food tasting good, it, it reminds me of, um, we had a conversation with Dr. Reshma Shah. I don't know if you know her. She uh, is a pediatrician and wrote a book called Nourish with um, Brenda Davis. Yes, I have the book. Yeah, yeah. So she was, she was we, we were having the same conversation about family. 
And she said, she said, it starts with just cooking really yummy plant-based food, you know, and that can kind of be the entryway into, you know, a change. And, uh, but you're, but yeah, them, you know, having that reason around the animal cruelty or, and then building on that with the environmental and the swim, you know, improving their swim fitness, um, you know, that kind of helps, I think, to make it stick. Um, and, uh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Awesome. So, um, just to kind of close out, uh, Dr. Orman, um, what would you say to someone who wants to integrate lifestyle medicine principles into the, into their own care? And maybe they don't have a doctor that is actually a lifestyle medicine doctor, how would they kind of negotiate that? And what tips would you give them to, to, to navigate that system? Yeah, I'd say, you know, uh, first try to find a lifestyle medicine physician. Um, there's a couple different websites, but lifestylemedicine.org, which is the ACLM website, you can go to a section on their website that says find a practitioner and most of us are in the directory and it'll show you, you know, your map of the state and where the doctors are. Um, I'd say that um, there are also quite a few lifestyle medicine physicians who have opened their own businesses and they are uh, coaching. Um, they're still lifestyle medicine physicians. Sometimes, um, you know, if you're trying to get out of mainstream medicine, you'll open up a business that's coaching. However, you have all the credentials, um, but it's more of a liability issue. It just makes practicing a little bit easier. And so that's an option too, to find yourself a lifestyle medicine coach. Um, if you aren't able to find one of those, um, then I'd say there are plenty of resources. Again, you can go to lifestylemedicine.org. They have some patient facing materials that are just open to the public where you can get some basic information um, that you know can definitely get you started. But I like to keep it simple with my patients uh, when I'm just one-on-one -on -one and you know, talk about what is your goal? Why would you even want to do this? And make sure that you keep that in mind and break that big goal down into small manageable steps. And along the way, check off the boxes, you know, in terms of whatever it is that gets you moving in the right direction. And so, you know, just eat more plants than you did yesterday, move your body more than you did yesterday, consider a mindfulness practice, which for me, obviously is the yoga now. Um, and, you know, look at your, look at the people around you, because those are very important influences in your life. And this is something that I'm, you know, doing personally all the time too. Where are you spending your time with whom? Because those are little pieces of yourself that you're giving away. And so how can you elevate your interactions with others in this world so that you're able to be, you know, a better version of yourself and able to help others in a greater way. And then, you know, if you find yourself drinking more than you were before the pandemic, consider decreasing that. If you feel like um, that's not something that you're interested in, then there are some resources. I think that, you know, the amount of substance abuse has increased and some of us are finding ourselves using things more than we used to, maybe drinking one more night a week than you used to. 
And so find an alternative for that or find help if you feel like you actually need to talk to somebody about this now. Um, and I think, you know, in this process, honesty is so important. And so being honest with yourself about where you want to be and where you are now and realizing that we can only control our actions, reactions, behaviors, thoughts. There's many different versions of that. But those things are very big things to control. And so if you truly wish to change some behavior, you have to realize why you want to do it and be honest with yourself about where you are, because change is certainly possible. And then surround yourself with people that help you to do that rather than drag you back into the old ways. Um, I think that that's something that is difficult when one person is changing and their friends aren't, then what do you do? You know, right. you don't want to fall back into those old habits when you're in the company of your old friends, but you don't want to get away or lose your friends. And so it might be a difficult conversation that needs to be had. And you might find out that your friend actually wants to make the change that you're about to make, but just didn't feel like they had the support they needed to make it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that um, this is certainly possible to do uh, on your own, but reach out uh, and find a, uh, a physician or a coach to help you if possible. But if not, there's so many resources online now um, that you can tap into for free and the lifestylemedicine.org website is a great place to start. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Orman. We sincerely appreciate your time. This is a wonderful conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so did I. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the work that both of you do and thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us on the Healthy For My Purpose podcast. We hope you enjoyed the community and are walking away empowered and encouraged to live your healthiest life for your God-ordained purpose. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram to enjoy fellowship with like-minded women. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this on iTunes. Until we meet again, keep honoring your body for your purpose.